Hi, podcast listeners. This is another chapter in the ongoing serialization of Fates Rush and Death Sunrise Hotel, a full-length novel that takes place in the Fates Rush and Death universe. We'll be doing one chapter every other week, uh, free on the podcast, or if you want to listen to or read the whole thing now, you can go to www.fatesworseanddeath.com and buy the complete novel. When you buy the paper version of the novel, you'll get access to the complete audiobook that you can download in MP3 format. Fates First and Death Sunrise Hotel contains some pretty heavy subject matter, including some sexual violence, so these podcasts are intended for mature listeners only. Fates First and Death Sunrise Hotel, a novel by Brian St. Clair King. This story takes place in the world of Fates First and Death, the role-playing game. Ten days after, the baby crying woke Tina up. By the time she had sat up and put on her glasses, the baby was silent. Tabitha was sitting there holding him, looking bored. After a few minutes, Tina demanded, Why do you have a baby? Tabitha gave Tina a look like she was stupid. I just do. But it's not yours. Fuck you, he is mine. But I've known you, what, a year? And that baby's not a year old. You've known me six months, Tabitha said, and Petrifax is eight months old. What do you think, that we never had lives before we met you? You think nothing exists if you're not there to have an opinion about it. It's just, he never said anything. He never came up. Tina stared at Tabitha. What? demanded Tabitha. I got knocked up, had the baby, couldn't handle the stress, so I stuck with my grandma. Now my grandma's worn out, so she made me take her. So just pow, you're suddenly a mommy again? You live in fucking Sunrise Hotel and beg for money on the streets. You can't take care of a baby that way. I know that, Tabitha said angrily. This is just temporary, just to give my grandmother a break until she's ready to take care of Petrifax some more. And what if she doesn't? What if she says no, it's your problem now? I don't know. I guess I'll have to get on welfare. Get an apartment. You make it sound easy. My grandma did it. She can help me figure it out. You'll just quit using drugs? I can't get crazy high anymore, but a drink or a joint every now and then isn't going to kill anyone. What if you can't quit getting crazy high? What's with all the what-ifs? You're always saying you don't give a shit about me, and now suddenly you want to know everything I've ever done or I'm going to do? I'm just curious. I never thought of you that way, as a mom. That's because you don't give a shit about people. You form these shallow little opinions about people, and you don't bother to find out if they're true or not. Tina kept her voice controlled, not wanting to upset the baby. Well, from the first time I met you, I knew you were a bitch-cunt asshole, and I have yet to be proven wrong. Quit talking to me, Tabitha said, her voice equally controlled. I don't care what you think about me. I don't care what you think about anyone. If you don't like me, you can just leave. Nobody really wants you around anyway. Tina was going to say something about how Tabitha was going to be a horrible mom and would end up killing her kid, but she decided nothing good would come of it. Tina noticed that the room smelled of vomit. She quickly tracked it down to the space between the bed and the wall. The vomit was on top of some old trash that had been stuffed in there. Joe, who must have gotten too drunk, was lying with his face pressed into the mattress. Tina opened the window, despite the chill it let in, to get the smell out. It felt like it was still early in the morning. Tina tried to go back to sleep, but she couldn't. She lay in bed, with the smell of rain and the city streets wafting over her from the window, and let her mind wander. Mostly, she ended up thinking about Althea. When Tina figured it was time to go to breakfast, she tried to raise Joe. He moaned something about having a hangover and refused to even roll over. 
Tina didn't invite Tabitha, but Tabitha ended up following her. They didn't talk as they walked to the shelter and waited in line. Once they got inside, Tabitha saw some people she knew, and left without a word to Tina to go eat with them. Tina sat alone and ate her breakfast. Tina didn't want anyone to mess with her, so she tried to look angry and antisocial. It wasn't hard, and by the time she was through with breakfast, she realized she felt the way she had been acting. Tina walked back to the hotel, hoping she could raise Joe and get him to go panhandling with her. When she got near the hotel, she saw a man heading, with a brisk, purposeful walk, toward her hotel carrying a grocery bag. He looked to be in his twenties. He was pudgy, with glasses and brown hair and a ponytail. He wore jeans and an old green sweater. Tina thought she remembered seeing him before, weeks ago, but he wasn't one of the people she had questioned since Marisol's disappearance. Tina quickened her pace. He unlocked the front door with his free hand. Tina broke into a run, but he was inside by the time she got to the door. She quickly unlocked the door and headed inside. He was going up the thin stairwell. Tina raced to catch up, her steps echoing in the stairwell, and he was walking down the second floor hall when Tina shouted, Hey! at him. He stopped and looked at her with a curious, slightly nervous look. Tina walked towards him. Hey, do you know Marisol? He frowned for just a moment, then he spoke in a carefully pronounced voice. Yes, I know Marisol. I'm her roommate. Did she ever mention me? She mentioned a number of people she lived with. I don't remember all the names. Look, she's been missing. She disappeared, like, a little more than a week ago. Do you know anything about where she might have gone? I might, he said. Do you want to come in? Tina followed him into his apartment. It was clean. The floor was freshly vacuumed. There was a portable computer on a little wooden table with a metal folding chair in front of it. The computer was attached to the room's radiator by what Tina thought of as a bike chain, a metal chain coated with clear plastic with a combination lock at the end. The bed was neatly made with gray sheets. There was a plastic crate with file folders in it and a stack of books on top of